0: And we're going live on YouTube.
1: Okay. Good evening. This is Dave Messina covering for uh, Josh Cook on our Town Hall. Uh, With me is uh, Dan Oakes, uh, Blunty, uh, Alex Suarez, and uh, Rob Robertson. And uh, this evening, we've got a couple of topics that we'd like to cover. Uh, As always, we welcome uh, questions as we go through, and we are trying uh, a couple of different aspects of the format. First, is we're broadcasting from Google Meets instead of Discord, we've had a couple challenges with Discord, certainly uh, I'm uh, top of that list. Um, And uh, if at the end of questions, uh, we are open up, I would like to open it up for any uh, technical troubleshooting. So a beta flight question, a question with hardware uh, that you might have. And so uh, we're Expecting the questions to be FPV or quadcopter related, but uh, if you have uh, a radio control model airplane question, uh, these guys will laugh and I'll, I might be able to answer the question. Um, some of the topics uh, we wanted to touch on today is uh, I know uh, that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that today was the AAAC, uh, the FAA Advanced Advisory. Advanced Aviation Advisory Committee meeting, and uh, there were no uh, tasking groups that came out of the last one. And in the uh, Reauthorization Act for 2023, still a set of bill, draft bills not uh, confirmed, um, that it says that the act uh, will not be uh, re-upped, if you will, or renewed, There will be replaced with a 12-member um, Federal Advisory Committee organization. So. Not, uh, not good in our view, uh, and certainly the ebook. Uh, well, I didn't think it was great. A lot of the uh, uh, the, the responses were dismissive and negative. And uh, uh, Dan, if you have any uh, uh, any insight from, uh, I know you were able to uh, listen to uh, some, if not most, of uh, uh, the ACT meeting today.
0: Yeah, there were a lot of questions and discussion after the presentation, and. Uh, especially Kenji asked a lot of good questions and, uh, he basically asked, um, I forget exactly which one it was in response to, but like, you didn't, you, the FAA didn't respond at all to this proposal, part of the proposal. And, um, then he also talked about, uh, they, they ignored the extended visual line of sight feature part of it. And, um. They did not answer his question at all. They talked about something else in response to it and answered a different part of a question he gave, and they they just blew him off again. So, yeah, um, exactly what you would expect, really.
1: So part of this is um, uh, I, had a, I had a conversation with several managers from uh, the integration office a couple of weeks ago, and uh, without being uh, too paranoid, I thought, gosh, you know, maybe maybe it's me, maybe they're. Uh, Maybe they're just blowing off uh, recreational, or if maybe it's FPVFC. And I feel so much better today after reading the ebook about the act because I shouldn't take it personally because the FAA is blowing off what appears to me to be all of UAS, and that's commercial as well as um, recreational. So I'm. Uh, if you take a look at some of the presentations, uh, one of the things that really uh, irked me. Uh, it was in response to tasking group 14, it was recommendation number six. And one of the recommendations that was the entire basis for tasking group number 11, if I have it correctly, that was the one that uh, Bob Brock uh, uh, from uh, Department of Transportation of Kansas led. And we spent a great deal of time and a great effort and uh, great explanation and discussion with the FAA on changing the uh, safety framework for the, uh, for UAS to something called target level of safety and uh, this makes a lot of sense to us. We've talked about it and today. In a not, re- so the FAA has still not responded to task group 11, but today in a response to tasking group 14, they said, well, we don't think um, target level of safety is uh, appropriate for the type of uh, metrics that uh, we like to utilize. So very, dis- very disappointing, and a uh, to me a completely inadequate response to a ton of work that's been done uh, for the FAA, presented to the FAA, and uh, dusted aside. So this this appears to be uh, the tone uh, that is happening uh, toward uh, UAS, a small UAS, and uh, uh, I have a hunch that we'll see an increased focus on AAM or advanced air mobility air taxis. Uh, Any other comments or reactions from around the room here on the the act? I was gonna see if I can quickly share the
0: AAAC, let's see, ebook here. Take over the
2: screen. Do we we know who who is on like that twelve-person act? Like, is it AAM people? I don't remember, or not whatever the replacement for the act is. Rather, the that twelve-person thing.
1: We don't know if it's all uh, AAM. Um, it's our uh, estimate that that's what it will be. Uh, it um, did represent uh, industry and um, uh, academia, uh, but I think uh, they have not named uh, the the twelve um, organizations or people who it will be representing. And that's just in the proposed
0: um, uh, FAA reauthorization act, right? We don't know that that's going to happen
1: yet. That's correct. And that's f- absolutely fair point. It's at the not, end of this meeting, they were been-
0: they were talking like the AAC is going to keep going. They need to add more members and all kinds of things like that. So <laughs> exactly. Uh here I've 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 shared that slide where they talked about that they've considered target level of safety for drones, but determined it is inconsistent with our approach to safety performance metrics, which is just crazy. They they also talked a little bit more about how they didn't have enough information um on gosh, you you, you need to watch that part of the video. Like they, they were talking like they don't have enough information on safety, so um they can't switch to target level of safety, but it's like, they've got plenty of information. They're safe. There aren't enough deaths for yeah. them to consider it not safe. And they're, they're just, they're not finding the information that meets what they want it to say. So.
1: Yeah. And if you, if you die, I think it I think tasking group 11 was in 2021. And if you dial back to that, the essence of the safety framework, that was the draft document that we reviewed and provide comments on essentially said that, well, um, Small UAS should be ten times safer than uh, uh, manned aircraft. How they came up with that, it's not clear. Um, but then, of course, when we when we pointed out that if, in as much cr- as manned aircraft have a n number of deaths per year as a target, where does one start when you have zero as the baseline? And so, this is a this is a really unfortunate response from the FAA.
0: So. Dave, do you know anything about this next sentence where they said, we have developed and publicly shared a standard scenario for obstruction shielding? And it ta- it makes me think of shielded operations, but I haven't seen anything publicly shared from the FAA about shielded operations.
1: This was for, I thought, uh, public safety only. Uh, so the, the FAA has come out with uh, a scenario for, um, shielding, but I thought it was only for, um, public safety operators. You know, okay. law enforcement, uh, emergency if, if I'm not being clear on on uh, public safety, like Rob, I'm <laughs> the man.
3: Yeah, that's my understanding it is it's public safety specific. Um, I'm waiting to hear back on our submission on the con ops for ours.
1: Yeah. 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 So that's 1 to we we can ask about. And oh, that was the other thing is that they, in this format of the, um, in the act, uh, where there's no, um, uh, there's no audience. If, unless you're a member of the act, you cannot, you could not be in the room. It was, tele, it was uh, streamed so you can watch it, that's good. Um, there was an ability when we were there in person uh, to talk to uh, FAA staff as well as the ACT members uh, at their breaks. And that was useful. And so that has been eliminated as well. I'll
0: post in the YouTube chat a link to that video for people to to go watch it later. It's super exciting.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. yeah this, <laughs> the, um, next, there was a... Uh, a broadcast today was it a briefing about leap um, Dan or what was the uh, what was the FAA uh, communication? The one I was watching
0: was a a fast team uh, presentation about um, ramp checks and remote ID. I think I shared that with our group last week or something um, that came came out somewhere. Uh, uh-huh. I only watched the first forty five minutes of it because then we had to start getting prepared for this meeting and the first. 40 minutes, 35 minutes was talking about part 107 operations and, uh, keeping track of your flights and all the things that part 107 pilots who fly all the time do with their fleet of aircraft. Um, so I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention cause that's not really relevant to what I do. And then they jumped into remote ID stuff and, uh, they were quickly running out of time, just sort of explaining the basics of remote ID and, because they were trying to simplify it, they kind of made it harder to understand because remote ID has so much nuance to it. You know, you'd quickly say things like, oh yeah, well, you have to register all your drones. Well, there's more to it than just re- everybody has to register all their drones. It's recreational versus commercial versus weight versus, you know, whether you can use a module. And anyway, I was a little frustrated listening to that. And then uh, there was a bunch of questions coming into the Q&A, and they were going to answer them live. And then I, I had to leave, so I didn't hear the rest of that one.
1: One of the uh, the 107 we we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's it, I'm uh, delayed, uh, it's my delay to uh, uh, get this documented and get it published. Is um, we've been chatting with Kevin Morris subsequent to uh, a presentation he had on Geeksana, where he was describing that it's it's okay to use a broadcast module for part 107 uh, compliance of remote ID, and he said that that's uh, it's really independent of the data manufacturer. So um, Kevin has been kind enough to uh, discuss this with us and um, I, our understanding remains exactly what it was before uh, his his presentation, which is um, standard remote ID is required for uh, any uh, UAS that's manufactured after September 16, 2022. And Kevin would agree with that completely. The, the nuance that he's pointing to as well, if you're a, um, a Part 107 pilot and you happen to come across a, a UAS that was manufactured after September, 2022 and put a broadcast module on it, you're compliant. And that's, um, that's of course, you know, where we, if we we listen to that and we're we're grateful if that's the case, but it means that the manufacturer has to be uh, not observing, uh, com- you know, not being compliant because all manufactured or produced um, a small UAS past September 2022 have to have standard remote ID. And if you so, build your
0: own drone, you're the producer of it.
1: That's right. Yeah. So, so a DIY. D- I- or DIY, um, that's fine, um, but it's for recreational purposes. Um, yeah, and it, if you want, isn't the Go definition
0: ahead. of home-built recreational or educational? Is that right? Yes, absolutely. So you right. can build this your own drone for recreational use only or educational use only. Whatever the definition of educational use is exactly, I'm not completely sure. But other than that, you you can't build your own drone. It does well if you do then it's not considered home built anymore. It's considered manufactured or produced basically commercially. And you have to follow all of the standard remote ID rules with, which includes GPS on your radio and transmitting your location all the time. And,
1: and as a manufacturer, it includes submitting a request for a declaration of, uh, compliance approval. And so that, that's a, that's a big deal. Uh, in that you're you're then asking for an approval on the entire aircraft, not just the remote ID subsystem.
0: So, Geeksvana is here in our YouTube chat, and he's saying, interestingly, I have gained, I have again since had the same response from FAA press directly ahead of the release of our full interview with him. Very frustrating.
1: Yes, and um, uh, Sean, are, are, we appreciate uh, bringing this uh, to our attention uh, early uh and so it's on me to uh, to not have uh, published this sooner uh i we will write up uh, uh this and one of the questions that uh that we've had and the team came up with this is okay if i'm a recreational operator and i or or part 107 and i am flying and i have a drone that is manufactured subsequent to september 2022 and as recommended i put a broadcast module on it what documentation should i carry with me because i will probably be asked for some level of proof if you know in the uh the off chance that an faa representative uh um comes up to me and asks me to produce the rest of my uh, documentation proof of trust registration etc so, good question, and that, that's a question that we will ask of the uh, of the FAA because, you know, who's who's really at fault here? Is it the operator? Uh, and so, our advice certainly has been, if you put a broadcast module on whatever it is that you're flying, you're demonstrating positive intent, and so that's the direction we're headed. We'll see where uh, where this heads. Have you but, had a uh,
0: chance to email that to Kevin yet? I have not, I, I have not,
1: that's uh, my, my delay, my fault.
0: I'm just thinking uh, if I make it to that meeting on, I think it's Tuesday next week where Kevin will be, uh, if you've sent the message by then, I can bug him a little bit about it.
1: I commit to get that before Tuesday.
0: Oh, okay. one other thing that came up in the AAAC meeting at near the end, Kenji asked, in a roundabout way, asking about if remote ID uh, enforcement was going to be delayed. And they did not give a straight answer to that question either, basically saying more information will be coming on that shortly. Which obviously could mean, yeah, it's being delayed and we'll tell you about it. Or no, it's not. We're just clarifying why we're going to enforce it day one. (laughs) But basically, they just said more information is coming soon. Which they're running out of time for soon,
1: right. And so as a um, one of the things that we uh, that we've chatted with the FAA about is, you know as a community-based organization, we would be happy to share some of the information that uh, is forthcoming from the FAA. We'd be happy to uh, have the information embargoed. You know we're adults. We know how to handle secure information. You know, how can we help? How can we work together on situations just like this, where we've got a, you know, we've been the FAA has been asked again and again and again, is 91623 going to be delayed or not? And you know, we can help get the word out. We can help uh, understand. You know, we can help provide. You know, the the questions in the FAQ. And uh, at this point, the FAA has declined. Their um, their uh, preference is to Uh, that they communicate to uh, the public all at once. And, uh, that includes the CBOs. So if you're wondering, gosh, you know, FPVFC is the CBO, aren't they? Don't, don't they know already? Uh, we don't. And, uh, this is uh, how the FAA is choosing, uh, to work with the CBOs. So here we go.
0: And let's see, back on that topic of the remote ID modules for part 107. That question was asked quite a bit during a, was it a, a fast team sent webinar uh, or drone pros, drone pros. I think it was Which uh, question again? the question about the, whether or not you can use a home built aircraft for part 107, put a uh, remote ID module yeah. on it. And that's where I saw from multiple sources, uh, people, drone pros, uh, got that A response from the FAA that really tried to clarify there are two parts to remote ID, the production regulations and the operator regulations. So it's not just coming from Kevin. It's also coming from a few other people within the FAA. And uh, we're not the only ones asking it. Uh, Drone pros are asking that question as well.
1: Alex, anything you'd like to add there?
4: Not really, I think you guys covered it.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, does anybody else have any other questions on what we're are we not fully clear on, or if you've got more questions on home-built aircraft, putting a remote ID module on it, and trying to fly non-recreational flights? Not that we think anybody is going to be out there really. um, You'd have to be really observant to figure out that that remote ID broadcast coming from a drone is supposed to be standard remote id and is coming from a module instead you could figure it out but it's not just going to (laughs) be obvious
1: yep yeah we'll see how many people uh download the uh the data and uh determine whether the uh, gcs uh, values are static or dynamic
0: um Stardust FPV is saying is sub-250 okay. I assume they're asking about whether or not you need remote ID. If you fly recreationally under 250 gram aircraft, you do not need remote ID. But if you're flying a Part 107 operation with a 10 gram drone, you still need remote ID on it. If you're outside, if you're in the air space.
1: And and if you're flying under 250 grams, uh, Dan has written a great article on this. It's on our website. You do need to uh, comply with the, the other recommend, or regulations. Um, and so uh, that's a, uh, that's, that gets important. And uh, we ask you to take a look at our website. Uh, things, you know, it's, it's not hard. It's things like trust and which safety guidelines you're using uh, and uh, not much else. And so that, that's a good thing. You, know, you register yourself, you take trust, uh, and comply to the uh, a and a CBOs safety guidelines, and uh, that takes a bit of reading. And we're happy to answer uh, questions on those as uh, as this continues.
0: There's another question that I'm not really an expert on here. They're asking: Are K through 12 operations still considered a Part 107 operation?
1: Nope. Oh. You clipped on my on on oh. uh, my.
0: Yeah, it looked like I must have had a very brief internet uh yeah a blip there sorry about that um yeah there's a a question asking are K through 12 operations still considered a part 107 operation
4: for the time being yes uh it's hoping to change with the new reauthorization act there's language in there that is looking to change that such that it does fall under the educational institutions exemption under forty four eight oh nine but as of now it is currently under one oh seven.
1: And Alex we can charter a, an educational institution and therefore or they can then thereby be operate under forty four eight oh nine a recreational exception. Is that correct?
4: Yes. However the teacher would still need a one oh seven.
1: Uh, good point.
4: So um yeah so and the study so remote need ID fine the right.
2: teacher would I'm sorry, Blunty? And they still need remote ID as well, right? Good point. Good point.
4: That's
0: unless someone too. makes a FRIA for them to fly in. Well, and unless they're under
4: 252. Unless they're under Correct. 250 grams yeah, yeah. If they're flying under our charter.
0: Yes. yeah And the whole yep. reason for this is that right in the reauthorization act, educational institution was basically defined as higher education, so college university, not K through twelve
1: right and then so in the 2023 faa reauthorization act it's being put forward just as you said dan that would the uh, k-12 through will be added to higher or to what the existing higher institution uh educational institution um and I, the reason i brought it up that we can charter this it's say well if it passes it's great it's done well, the FAA is, has the mandate to get that done. And we'll all recall that it took the FAA about four years to get the CBO documentation and the FRIA documentation and processes out. And that was part of the 2018 FAA Reauthorization Act. So it's if the 2023 Reauthorization Act approves the inclusion of primary school K through 12. Uh, to the educational 44809 um, view, then the FAA needs to uh, put that into effect. And so, um, in the meantime, uh, we can um, make this happen uh, through chartering, through uh, through a CBO, and any of the CBOs, of course, can do this. Any of the four.
0: Uh, Morning views asking, are tethered aircraft free of regulations?
1: they're
2: not free there's a separate tethered regulation i believe
4: tethered falls under 107 uh, there are some slight changes but only under very few circumstances and that falls under public safety for those exceptions not under general purposes
3: yeah we use we use tethered equipment too and we've been advised that it's still going to fall under all the applicable rules and
1: regs and so if someone asks about a kite.
0: <laughs> How is that different from a tethered drone?
1: It's not a remotely controlled device.
0: You can remotely control them. If you've got two uh, strings attached, I, mean, <laughs> I did when I was a kid, Yeah. you can make them go left and right and up and down. So true. It's, and it's remotely controlled by the string on the ground. So I don't know, better not point that out to the FAA, I guess.
3: modules next
1: year. <laughs> oh. so, hey, hey uh,
3: Jumping in real quick, uh, kind of following up on the RID stuff. Uh, I was, I was informed today. This is from the UAS integration. Uh, in terms of enforcement, when they're discussing how they're going to approach it, uh, they have two options. They can look at the civil penalties, which is essentially a ticket to a fine, or they can look at certificate actions, which would be revocation or suspension of Licenses. So, kind of the workflow when a lease agent gets a report uh, from a citizen or from anybody of you know, a non compliant RID operator, then they're going to refer that to the FISDO office, that's the, the Flight standard District. Um, they're going to, in turn, work with a, um, a, one of the safety inspectors and they decide what the penalties are. So, um, we were also told that currently no criminal code exists for RID at the federal level. That doesn't mean that it won't. Um, uh, for instance, on contrast with the registration requirement, there's criminal there's criminal code at the federal level that defines not registering your drones as a felony federal statute. So that is a big no-no. Um, but they also mentioned that in terms of the September 16th deadline, that there's going to be progressive enforcement, and education and compliance are going to be their primary goal. So that's a whole lot of information. That really doesn't tell us a whole lot, but at least it gives us a little bit of an insight on the process that they're looking and what options they have at hand when they do catch it on compliant operators.
1: Thank thank you, Rob. And I'd just underscore one of the things that Rob pointed out is, you know, for younger people uh listening in, the difference between civil and criminal is a big, big deal. And so if a a company has um, uh, a civil violation for um a 107 okay it's not good you pay the fine uh, you you know you get on with life a criminal violation goes to an individual and it's a big deal it can affect your life for the rest of your life so we will be keeping a, a really close eye on so you know are, is anyone contemplating criminal violations and as rob said uh la uh, not registering is a uh, uh, is a criminal violation. So we'll get into some of the details of that. That this is not to frighten anyone. This is along the lines of we're here to try to help people fly as they have been flying uh, with the least amount of friction uh, and uh, the most freedom possible.
0: And speaking of registering, the drone zone website. When you go to say you've, say you've registered as a recreational pilot in the past, and you go now to renew your registration. It's trying to trick you into registering all of your recreational aircraft and giving model numbers and serial numbers and all of that stuff when you go there. Um, That's definitely tripped up a few of our members. Uh, I went and looked at it a little closer today, and yeah, if I go and renew mine, it says, hey, you don't have any drones registered. Please fill out this form and register your drone. Um, And you can fake your way through it, you can say your drone is home built, and then you can give it some silly name and say that it doesn't require a remote ID and uh, doesn't need a serial number and get through that. But they're definitely trying to make it difficult for you to get by uh, without registering the serial numbers of all your drones, which you don't need to do for rec- recreational. You can have, you register yourself and you get an ID number of you that you put on all of your, your drones
1: right and the broadcast module that you use has a serial number so it's you you register as an operator and the broadcast module has its serial number those that's what the faa is asking for us to put on drone zone and and that's it yeah
2: i do think they've been asking for this for a minute or maybe they did it and then stopped because i remember doing it like yeah i remember doing it a while back and then it was like it I had to enter all that home-built stuff, and then I got asked about it a couple times by users.
4: I think it was not long after September sixteenth, 2022, that they started doing it.
2: Yeah, because they added around the that time
4: frame. Yeah.
0: And yeah, mine expires this December. Is it a three-year? Uh, now it's a three-year, but it was a two-year. It's year. three-year. Two years. So it was at least a couple of years ago the last time I, I renewed. And it wasn't in existence. They didn't ask you that back then, but that was a long time
3: ago. Yeah.
1: Rob, were you trying to get a word in?
3: Yeah, uh, it's my understanding too. And y'all, Bill, if you have any more insight, that if you do have a currently compliant drone, so, so you have a Avata or Mavic Three Mini or Mavic Three Series, some of the Autel V3s, uh, some of the Scadios, um, it's the duty of the operator, the pilot, to go back into your registration and add the 20-digit remote ID and serial number. So. Um, I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, at the town hall meeting, the DGI potato, original FPV. Uh they did a release on that to make it RID compliant, but it is not yet in the FAA database as of this week, so I don't know if there's a delay, I don't know what the deal is on that, Dave. Um, and
1: is that that's for part 107 only?
3: Part 107, correct. Okay. Good.
0: Oh, we can also talk a little bit more about FRIAs if we want to. Um, I know a lot of people have asked, uh, where can they see a list of the FRIAs? Um, and we've been pointing people to the uh, UAS facilities map, I think, is that what you call it? And that's where the FAA has said that they will be posting them, but they're not there yet. Um, Alex, I think you had a bit, bit more details about when, like, they're they're supposed to be there soon, for uh the free is showing up on the facilities map
4: oh yeah the free is so the free is showing up on the facility map that is looking the faa claims that they're trying to get it by september 16th 2023 or at least have a majority of them on by then the system as of now uh or as of the last time i checked which was last wednesday does not have Frias on there. One thing of note, however, it does list fixed sites, and those fixed sites are not Frias. Those are just uh, those are club flying fields that are in controlled airspace. They're two separate things. So if you go to the UFAUDS and see oh, recreational fixed flying sites, those are not Frias, uh, and Frias are not on there yet. We'll let you know when we find out FRIAs are on there, but as of now, we don't have, we don't know that. We don't know, FRIAs aren't on there, but we expect them to be there around uh, September 16th.
0: And as far as we know, there's no official like listing or website that lists them out. or Not out there. And last you heard, was there around 400, now at least 401 approved FRIA locations?
4: Yeah, the FA claimed around 400 FRIA locations approved. And they've gone through at least two thousand applications. Okay, sure, yeah. So, so it's, uh, not a very good approval rating.
0: I did just get one approved today. Um, originally, I I submitted this application back in December, and when I drew the rectangle for where people were flying in this Freya, this Freya happens to be a fixed an existing non AMA location that has a little runway and everything um, like 10 or so 12 miles from my house and people go fly model aircraft there and have for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And when I originally drew the the box, I put it slightly over a parking lot just to make it a nice simple rectangle and make it easy. And they, when was that? Four months later, denied that FA, the FRIA application and basically said, oh, it, it covers an area where the public may gather. Uh, and then after going back and forth in email a little bit, I had to resubmit that application. And I finally got around to doing that um, at the end of July. So like July 29th or so, I think it was. And then in the last couple of weeks, they I, they basically really quickly approved that one. Just all I did was resubmit the application. Well, I didn't. I created a new application because they don't let you like edit one. Gave all the same information except for I changed the box slightly uh, to omit any sidewalks and any parts of a parking lot. And uh, then they approved that one. So I don't know if I just got lucky and got somebody who, who is more willing to get these out the door or what. Because I know, Alex, you have others that were submitted slightly before mine that have had no activity on them. Uh, it, it really just Correct. almost yep. seems random <laughs> what order and whether or not they approve them.
4: Yeah, I have
3: three in the 1,200s. Has any free has been approved that's over structures like physical structures, buildings, houses, commercial? Uh, I know driveways, parking lots, sidewalks, roads are a problem. What about actual physical structures? Do We have any insight on that?
1: Nothing, none that I'm aware of that have been approved for those. The uh, 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 go ahead, Alex.
4: I would the airport I got approval for. I'm pretty certain I included the hangar inside the boundary and that was approved wow
1: yeah because i included
4: the entire runway too so the whole runway and the hangar itself i'm fairly certain i included in the boundary
1: because yeah rob because uh, the advice we've been given and the advice we're providing to folks submitting applications is do not include a building or a structure because that's one of the um, denial points that we've uh, seen from the faa
3: I'm glad that uh, remote ID makes it so much safer
1: to fly over those structures, <laughs> and, uh, and apparently helps the environment, too.
0: Uh, Stan Johnson's asking, is there a documented definition of the FAA goals? There's much conjecture about the industry roles, but how do we use their goals to our advantage without just saying we should be exempt? You say and-
4: their goals are probably in statute or uh, I mean look at the Reauthorization Act.
0: The first thing I think of is the FAA's goal is to make the skies safer uh, or safe. And uh, drones have been proven to be extremely safe. So why all the regulation? But that's not how the FAA sees it.
3: Right. The One wording
2: two. in the... I was just going to say the wording at the top of the final rule is the remote identification of unmanned aircraft is necessary to ensure public safety and the safety and efficiency of the aircraft in the United States. You know, that's the statement at the top of the a rule for a
1: remote id I, that's where i was headed as well Bunty, is so that's one of the better statements in terms of the overall goals and so which of course then um makes us uh, ask the question so how does this help with safety yeah and uh yeah you know, and they can't yeah, answer that yeah you know, there's, there's no good answer to that you know remote id is uh, in our judgment uh, based on uh, security requirements, and it's predominantly from Department of Ho- Homeland Security. Good question. Don't have a great answer for you.
0: And Then Alex already answered this in the chat, but uh, Stardust was asking about a West Delray RC Park. Uh, it sounds like it must be an AMA field and asking if anybody knows the status of that, probably whether it's a free or not. And uh, Alex was saying that we don't know the status of AMA fields. And I don't know if the A- A- AMA has made that information public as to which ones have been approved or not. I know some other people know whether or not their local one has been approved
4: uh, yeah, we, I think the, in our says go they, ahead, Alex, I think the AMA said that they were going to try to add an indication on their flying site finder page
3: two.
1: Great. I, I know that the AMA has multiple people uh, full time filling out and uh, um, Amending, you know, filling out applications and amending applications for their 2,600 uh, fields across the country. These, take, these applications do take a bit of time, which is uh, why we ask if you submitted an application, would be grateful if uh, you became a, uh, a member of SDVFC uh, uh, or uh, any of the, the CBOs that, uh, that you submit or that you ask. Uh, an application to be submitted on your behalf, which is the way it's working right now.
0: And so if you can't fly in a FRIA and you need a remote ID module, uh, what's the status of remote ID modules these days, uh, such as the e- flight test easy ID? And um, uh, what's the BS module? Drone, drone, drone tank? BS, like what, what are the status of those these days?
1: So I know the status of those two. Um, as we've said, uh, we have been uh, participating in the development and the requirements uh, and have received no compensation for it. also volunteer work on the plate test uh, FTEZID module. Uh, we announced that on July 21st. Uh, we anticipate avail- uh, order availability uh, before uh, September 16th. We're hoping for mid-August. We've missed that, uh, so uh, very shortly. And um uh, we will uh, have all the uh, the various functions that we've talked about, 10 grams um, inter- um, internal uh, no external antennas. Uh, it's easy uh, to set up in that the serial number is burned in so you don't have to key in the serial number into the device, power it up. It runs 2s to 8s uh, battery power. Um, and it should be uh, available from flight test as well as uh, several retailers. On the drone tag device uh, that's uh, uh, starting to ship, or uh, the BS module, which is the one we are most interested in. It's small and it's uh, um, uh, capable, and uh, it, it's shipping uh, now. And so uh, they had uh, uh, Drone tag had targeted uh, July. And so they had um, uh, some Taiwanese supply chain challenges. And so that's shipping out now, and uh, uh, there are there's a list of uh, of others as uh, as well, and we're uh, uh, working uh, um, on that list, and we're also uh, will be uh, purchasing uh, representative uh, samples and uh, providing uh, an evaluation uh, to the best we can uh, on those broadcast modules.
0: Uh, Dave, what can you say about the Easy ID running on One S batteries?
1: Um, I don't think it can, and uh, um, I'm pretty sure that the the lowest voltage it'll support is 5.5 5 volts. So obviously, uh, um, with uh, 3.7 as a uh, you know a 1s, and so it's uh, we targeted targeted it to 2s at the 8s, and we we had certainly considered that uh, a 1s would tend to be a sub 250 uh, aircraft, sub 250 gram aircraft, and uh, not need um, a broadcast module.
0: Uh, someone's asking how much is it? How much I assume the easy ID, I'm not sure if they're asking that or drone tag, I guess you could answer
4: both. The, I know. think
1: we, I think what, um, yeah, the latest I have is the M the manufacturer suggested retail price for the FT easy ID is a $109. And the, uh, price for the drone tag, uh, BS module is $89 and an additional uh, fee for uh, the antennas. I think it's about somewhere around $10 for the antenna.
0: CB Runners asking about UART pass-through of GPS data, I assume of the ID. Yeah,
1: we're, we're um, uh, yes, for the, and it's, um, it supports the uh, MSP protocol. So that's, uh, it's not exactly pass-through, but it's providing GPS. The idea is that we will provide um, GPS data to the flight controller uh, in the protocol and message uh, that the uh, beta flight understands.
0: It, it sounds like XJET's ask, curious about the 1S because something like a disk launch glider, I'm assuming they can get away with a 1S battery because they don't have a whole lot of electronics in them to run, and uh, they're clear, they clearly can be larger than 250 grams. So you, Something like Easy ID wouldn't be a good solution in that case. Um,
1: yeah. Good. Good edge case identification. Uh,
0: Sapphire's phones asking why is the Easy ID any better than Drone Tag BS? The BS is cheaper, smaller, lighter. Well,
1: it's. <laughs> Uh, uh you know why is it better you know uh, we tried to be uh um reasonably even handed uh we've had a a lot of uh uh time uh put into it so i mean we should you know as a full disclosure but again we're not getting paid um uh, for sales of uh of the flight test product it is designed and made in the united states um it is uh um you know a uh, a product that uh, we think is stable, uh, and I'm um, the the drone tag drone tag organization and the company is uh, a good firm. We've uh, spoken uh, multiple times to their CEO and several of their engineers. Uh, good set of products, good reputation. Um, they've also had the ability to spread uh, the work that they've had to do to design remote ID modules across a series of products, and that lowers your non-recoverable dispen- uh, development expense. So why the price difference? That, you know, without knowing a lot, that's, that would make sense. Um, so why is the flight test uh, um, uh, easy id better? It also integrates with the flight test application. Uh, there's an additional value there. Um, and uh, and it, it's States. very easy. Yeah, made in the USA and very easy to set up. And those are, uh, as well as all internal uh, antennas. That's those are the things that we feel.
0: Um, Extra is asking about the GPS update rate on the flight test unit. I assume, so like the remote ID only needs an update of once a second to broadcast mm-hmm. your location. But like I assume he's asking more along the lines of what's the what's beta flight gonna see as far as a GPS update rate and I, I I haven't really used GPS with beta flight so I don't know what's important there or not
1: half and one, 0. 5 seconds is the update rate
0: sounds good to me but I, I don't know what that if that's good or not if that's is that normal for GPS units for beta flight
1: yeah, I'm not sure what they what the u uh, blocks um is uh what is what is pulling in i I can find out
0: it it sounds reasonable to me and Rob needs to put on his seatbelt or something it sounds like either that or uh star trek's calling
1: oh, <laughs> he's beaming I'm up <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. uh any other questions that anybody have for us uh remote i d RIAs or, modules or
1: trouble or troubleshooting questions. Any uh, any problems with uh with uh can't I've been uh, been working on this drone I can't get it uh, to bind I can't I've been working on this drone and I and please don't ask me about desync problems that one that'll stump me yeah
0: so that's a a feature of our live stream we're trying to add near the end of our meetings would be to do some troubleshooting and help people. Solve any problems they might have with beta flight or getting their drones flying, or anything that we could possibly do to help
2: uh real quick, can we morning he says cube pilot's offering a thirty nine dollar remote i d module I don't believe that's been approved from my memory. who's the company from blend Cube pilot? My memory of looking up that is that it's not been approved yet it may be may end up approved.
0: CB Runners uh, saying it's only really for ArduPilot. Yeah, and
1: so yeah, I do know, by that, I know that Q, some of the Cube products do not have GPS, because if you're flying ArduPilot, you've got a GPS on board. So, yeah. Uh, we're we're very aware of, uh, of the company, Q-Pilot. Not, uh, I'm not familiar with the various models or, or a yeah. sale that they're running. We can dig into that.
2: Yeah. As far as I know, um, they haven't been approved yet. They're not on the DOC list. Um, I could be wrong, but that's the last time we looked that was the case. And then when they talk about it, they just say designed in compliance, but not with any DOC.
0: And to go along with what you said, Dave, XJet saying that the pilot remote ID module also has no onboard GPS. That would make it a totally different kind of remote ID module. Mm -hmm. Let's see, is there any other topics we were going to discuss this week? Or were there any uh, major news related, drone related news stories this week? That anybody came across?
1: Particular. Yeah, none are none are coming to mind for me.
0: Yeah, Blunty, don't you have like news stories from the past few weeks queued up to go here? But uh, you haven't done I've got tons. Bardwell?
2: I mean, I got <laughs> tons of stuff if you want to. Yeah, but I think we've covered a bunch of them already.
0: Yeah, we're, we're pretty much at the end of our hour anyway, so that's all right. But if there's there's any, any major news announcements that... Uh, that anybody has come across
2: okay. i think the only thing is that i think this yeah i could be wrong other than like i think i don't know maybe alex can tell me has there been any multi-gp event where there's been like a large lipo fire or is west coast throw down like the first time this has happened that we know
4: that's probably the largest i know of there's been lipo fires at every major multi-gp event uh it's just they've yeah. never gone anywhere and usually yeah. they're in areas where it's not Dry, and even in Mayhem, there's probably there's been fires there, and there hasn't been any issues that I know about. I think West Coast Throwdown is probably the biggest that I've heard of and seen in the history. Tell FB. us more. Yeah. What
0: happened?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, there was just a big fire there. Um, I I saw a bunch of people blame it a bunch of other people, but no actual good information about it. Um, just that it eventually got put out, but. I'm not exactly sure how big it was or anything.
4: I'm curious to see. I'm curious what the quad looked like afterwards.
1: Yeah, no, and from a, um, a public uh, responsibility uh, perspective, we're we're all uh, very concerned about anything that uh, that looks like a, a wildfire starts a wildfire, and you know, I ask everyone to take extra caution that there's. Anyone who lives in uh, North America is uh, very, very aware of what's going on in Canada. Australia is having terrible uh, fire problems. Europe is Greece, and so I mean, this is um, this this is something that uh, we can take extra precaution about. And it's it's great that the multi GP events have. Oh yeah, we've had fires, but we've handled them all, and that's that's what we'd like to uh, to keep that to be the uh, uh, the norm. Yeah,
0: That's the, the last thing we need is some um, media to jump on a uh, wildfire, was started by drone battery. Uh, that yeah, th- the image of drone pilots is already an issue in the media, we don't need that to be added to it.
2: Yeah, I think it's easy to get complacent with the lipos we have, so it's good to mention it.
1: Absolutely agree, Blenty, and I, I, I applaud uh, anyone who uh, posts like, Hey, this just happened to me. Uh, I'm using a bat safe, uh, but if I didn't, uh, I would have burned down my house, or I would have burned a car. Or so, yeah. Cl- complacency is—it's uh, you know, like operating with gasoline. You know, we're all—I've not working on uh, in, internal combustion engines since I was a kid, and uh, we take for granted how much energy is inside a can of gasoline. Same thing with lipos; they're really powerful, and uh, you know, we just have to remain aware and, and safe. Lipos propellers, and authorization uh, in airspace. Those are the areas where uh, we are concerned with respect to uh, to safety. Yeah, like We're, we tried we to that. tell
0: the FAA over and over and over again, most of the safety for drones is on the ground. On the ground. Not in the
1: air. Right. All right. Yeah. That's right. Very good. Uh, any other questions, uh, Dan?
0: I'm not seeing anything else uh, coming through YouTube, but there's usually like a 30-second delay before a lot of people hear us on YouTube and then get a chance to type their question, and then we get to read it.
1: Okay. So give people well, a few um, more
0: seconds, but otherwise, I think we're about ready to wrap it
1: up. Okay. And I uh, think up uh, to those listening, uh, think up uh, any troubleshooting questions. Uh, we spent, uh, four of us spent uh flight fest uh, from wall to wall from start to finish of the event. Uh, helping people and getting them encouraged and getting them excited about FPV. And it was, uh, was a great experience. And there's a uh, quite a bit of talent uh, on uh, within FPVFC and our, uh, in our team and happy to do whatever we can to help.
3: Oh, uh, I, I
0: Blunty answered one quick question in the chat with a, a good news story. Uh, mm-hmm. When's Blunt, when's Joshua Bardwell going to do live streams again? And uh Apparently he's coming back on the twenty seventh. So, yep. how's that for news?
1: Excellent. All right, I would uh, thank everyone. Thanks, um, thanks for the FPVFC team uh, for being here uh, uh, this evening, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, whether you're listening live or uh, rebroadcast, uh, appreciate any questions and appreciate the support.
0: Yeah. Thanks.
3: Have a good evening. See you guys in two weeks.